0: You are locked on to another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. We're going to spend a lot of today's podcast going over the bullpen and how the Royals can reconstruct it in 2024, and if they can already move another one of their pieces through trade. Will that be Carlos Hernandez? We'll get into that in our second segment. And lastly, a prospect down in Omaha, I think, may have a chance to break into Kansas City here in the coming weeks. All that is coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. thank you for making locked on Royals your first listen every day. And you can check us out on all those podcasting platforms like Apple podcasts, Spotify, Amazon music, and you can always check us out on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. And you can also shoot me any questions or direct message me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15 that's at J O H N Y J underscore one And it's been a very eventful couple of weeks. Uh, With me hosting now, Locked On Royals, we've had a ton of subscribers, ton of followers, ton of downloads. It's truly been a great couple of weeks, and I can't thank you enough for making this all possible uh, for me to talk about a team that at least, if you're watching, that we all love here in the Kansas City Royals. Now, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. We'll talk about them a little bit later on in the podcast. But if you're ever struggling to find tickets, Game Time is the way to go. I use it every single time now. When I'm buying Royals tickets, if I'm buying last-minute tickets, I never have to stress about it. I never have to worry about it. And it really doesn't even matter if you're talking about a baseball team that doesn't have much to play for. This also works for concerts. This works for comedy clubs. Uh, really, anything you want, go through game time for your tickets. I was at the game last night, had the chance to go down in the press room, had the chance to go down into the clubhouse. And the, the main talking point among the media members, of them, among Matt Cotrero and his staff, among the players, was this bullpen once again. And the bullpen blew a two to nothing lead. Uh, Jordan Lyles pitched his tail off. He goes six shutout innings, strikes out four, only had four base runners in the game. He gets 12 whiffs by far and away, his best start in a Kansas City Royals uniform. Now, Matt Cotrero, I think, did the right thing in pulling him a bit early. You're not expecting Jordan Lyles to go well into the seventh or well into the eighth. You take what you can get. And he was going through the lineup for a third time. I think you want to turn it over to the bullpen, at least to some of your more reliable arms. The unfortunate thing after trading away a role as Chapman is there's really only two reliable arms. And I do believe two of them are going to be very strong candidates to be traded here in a couple of weeks. But Maquitrero goes to Carlos Hernandez in the seventh. And he works a not-so-clean, but at least gets out of it, no-damage, 2Ks, and keeps that 2-0 lead intact. And unfortunately, there is no more Roldis Chapman. There's Scott Barlow, but he's saved for the ninth, and you're not trying to wear out his arm before the trade deadline. So you have to go to Taylor Clark. And Taylor Clark does what Taylor Clark's been doing, for about the last month. And that's just walking people. Hitting people. Giving up hits. Giving up runs. His ERA is well above 11. In his last 15 outings. And that's just simply not set up material. Then Matt Cutreiro has to go to Jose Quas. Or I shouldn't say has to. Chose to go to Jose Quas. And that went about as poorly as you could have expected. When the Royals lose that game to a Tigers team. That has a bottom three offense in the league. And they drop game number I guess that would be 95, 68 losses on the year, just 27 wins. I'm not going to get into, though, whether the Royals should DFA or release Jose Quas and Nick Whitgrin and Taylor Clark. I'm not going to do that. What I wanted to do is make a very good comparison between these two teams that, once again, will play tonight at Kauffman Stadium. Daniel Lynch is going to get the ball in this one for Kansas City, and it'll be Tariq Skubal getting the ball for the Detroit Tigers, two really good young left-handed pitchers excited for this matchup. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you about how the bullpen arms in 2023 for Kansas City don't belong in the big leagues. I think everybody that's been watching this team from March understands that this bullpen's not very good. And it's only going to get worse, unfortunately, because you're going to trade away your most reliable guys. At least we know Scott Barlow for sure. We'll talk about Carlos Hernandez here in about 10 minutes or so. But I look at the Detroit Tigers. I look at the Kansas City Royals. I really think the only separating part, the hard line, the divide between these teams is strictly on the bullpen. The Tigers don't have an overly dominant rotation. They have Eduardo Rodriguez, pretty good arm. They spent money to go out and get Eduardo Rodriguez. Everybody else, kind of the same as the Royals, I would say. Maybe a little bit better, but not by much. The lineup, I would say, about the same. The offense is not good in Detroit. The offense is not good in Kansas City. What separates these teams is the bullpen. And Detroit's bullpen gets a lot of outs. They don't walk anybody. They don't give up many home runs. And they've got high-velocity guys. Mick Foley, those a 99-mile-an-hour two-seamer. Alex Lang, excuse me, has been... Not great over the last 8 to 10 outings, but to begin the year, he was dominant. Has a fantastic slurve, curveball, slider, whatever you want to call it. They got good back-end guys. Jose Cisnero has been just fine. And they let Gregory Soto go. One of their top relievers from last year. held their closer last year. And the bullpen's been better. And that's what I look at when I try to find positivity, optimism, about this team competing in the Central next year. I don't think they're going to compete for a playoff spot, but the Tigers are five and a half games out of first place, and their run differential is negative 80. It's a bad baseball team. But because that bullpen has found rhythm and consistency, they win a lot of these games that are one-run and two-run games. They can hold on to leads. When their starter shuts out the opponent over six innings and their offense gives them two or three runs, they win that game. Now, how many leads of 2-0, 3-0 nothing, nothing do they have in the 7th and 8th inning? Not many. But they're only nine games under five hundred, five and a half 5.5 out of first place. That's a bad team that's overachieving. So I asked myself, well, how can the Royals do this? Right? Do they go into the offseason? I put out a Twitter poll about this. If they should spend money on the rotation, the bullpen, a position player, or don't spend at all. And a lot of you voted to bolster the starting rotation through spending money. Some of you voted for the bullpen, but I do want to talk to some of you people off the ledge about putting money into the bullpen. Spending money on a bullpen is never a good idea. As crazy as that sounds, it's never a good idea. Most bullpens out there have guys on one-year deals. Salaries are less than 4 to $5 million a year. Some guys are waiver claims. Some guys are Rule 5 draft picks. Some guys are minor league free agents. I mean, that's what Scott Barlow was. The best reliever in the Royals' bullpen was a minor league free agent. They didn't spend any money, realistically, I guess, a big amount of money on Scott Barlow. They spent money to get him. They didn't spend a lot of money to get Scott Barlow. Carlos Hernandez, their second best arm. He was a guy that they signed internationally, was a failed starter, worked him a little bit, and now you see how good Carlos Hernandez has become, at least compared to last year. That's how the Royals build their bullpen. OK, that's how you build a bullpen, as I'm calling the title of this podcast. It's about looking in the right spots, looking at some of those advanced numbers, fastball spin, right, barrel percentage of missing the barrel. I mean, you could be very generic and say whip, ERA, strikeouts, walks. You can do that. But I think the Royals have done that far too often when looking at some bullpen options. I think a perfect example this offseason was getting a roll to Chapman. Nobody wanted to sign a roll as Chapman except for the Royals and the Marlins. They get a roll as Chapman, fix him a little bit. At least he was working on himself in the offseason, but fixed him a little bit on their own. And you saw what he became. And right now, he's one of the most dominant relievers in all of baseball. That's how you build a bullpen. Minor league deals, one-year deals, waiver claims, rule five picks. If I'm Kansas City, okay, and we'll get to this a little bit more in our second segment. I'm trading Scott Barlow and Carlos Hernandez at the deadline. Okay, and I'll tell you why I think they should trade Carlos Hernandez here very shortly. I would gut the entire bullpen, top to bottom. But I'm going into this offseason not assembling the bullpen with a bunch of has-beens that were really bad last year or have never pitched at the big league level with a successful high rate. I know it sounds very contradictory or sounds very hypocritical for what I just said, but you know who I'm talking about, trading for guys that – don't have big strikeout numbers, don't have good spin rates, don't avoid the barrel, deal with a lot of base runners. I don't want that. I know Roldis Chapman was that, but Roldis Chapman was one of the best closers of all time. You no, know, he had at least something left in the tank. I'm talking about when you go out there and find guys like Detroit has and develop them, you know, 18th, 19th round picks. I mean, a perfect example is also going with like a John Heasley. You fix John Heasley. You turn them into something a Dylan Coleman. You fix a Dylan Coleman. That's how you build this bullpen. But there are some guys that you see what they have. If it's not good enough, you move on from them. I want to believe this Royal scouting department can find more talent, like Detroit can, like Cincinnati can, like Baltimore can. I mean, those three uh, bullpen arms or bullpen units, they're all more than acceptable. They are just fine, and it's why three of those teams are all still competing for a playoff spot or a division title. I think bullpen is a big key to this. And that makes the Royals unbelievably more competitive than they are right now. They don't have a bullpen. They don't have anybody to turn to. They don't have a good rotation to begin with, but even when their starters give them a good start, the bullpen can't get things done. And that's the big problem I have right now with this team. And it probably wears on the young players. They don't have a lot of wins because the bullpen can't lock it down. And then you get into a big question mark of, who the hell is going to close out games once you trade Scott Barlow and maybe Carlos Hernandez, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it does to Mac Quatrero, and maybe it matters to JJ Piccolo. But again, we'll wait and see on that. But if you're going to build a bullpen, don't spend, don't spend a lot of money on a bullpen. We saw the White Sox do that. It didn't work out that well. You need to find value where nobody else is looking and you can build a really good bullpen or you take your failed starters and turn them in the good bullpen arms. Like maybe you make the, the tough decision, and turn Brady Singer into a bullpen arm. Not saying he'd want that or the Royals want that, but that's what good teams do. The Royals don't really have the luxury of turning a number three guy in the rotation into a bullpen arm, but if you get better, those are the decisions you start making. You turn a failed starter or an average starter into a really good bullpen arm. We saw the Royals do it with Wade Davis. It's not impossible to do, and in the landscape of Major League Baseball, it's just about finding the right scouting, the right development, And again, the jury's still out on if this new scouting team, or at least some of the new scouts, new coaches, can even work with some of the talent that the Royals currently possess. Don't go anywhere. We've been talking about this bullpen. We're going to continue to talk about this bullpen. And more importantly, Carlos Hernandez. Now, MLB Trade Rumors on Twitter put out an article that he's going to generate a lot of interest. I am all on board. For trading carlos hernandez i'll tell you about it next on lockdown royals you are tuned into lockdown royals on the lockdown podcast network i'm your host jack johnson be sure to follow me on twitter at johnny j underscore 15 that's at j-o-h-n-y-j underscore one five before we go any further I want to give a shout out to today's title sponsor in game time now i went to a couple games over the weekend and you guessed it this is where i went to to get my tickets for the game. It's so simple. It's so easy. You never have to stress And You may be wondering to yourself, I never stress. Why would I ever need to stress about getting tickets? Some people do, right? If you got a big group of people going, if you're taking people for the first time, it can be stressful. You want to make sure you buy the tickets. You're not getting scammed. Those tickets get transferred to you. And Game Time handles all that with a ton of ease. It is by far and away the easiest app to use when getting tickets for a game. And it's not just baseball. It can be concerts. It can be comedy shows. But really, the possibilities are endless with Game Time. Now, here's what you need to do: download the Game Time app after you listen to the podcast today. Create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off on your first purchase. Again, that's create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. So download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. You'll never have to worry again by buying tickets with game time i saw this tweet earlier today involving carlos hernandez it was mlb trade rumors and sometimes it can be a a really riveting article sometimes it can just be rumors that are floating around but it was more so of an opinion piece i thought or at least a guess as to where things are going to fall at the deadline the royals traded their best trade chip already they traded their oldest chapman to the texas rangers who has only given up two hits, no runs, hasn't walked anybody either. He's been great in Arlington. But they get Cole Reagans, who looked good for Kansas City in his first start, and they got Rony Cabrera, who's looked good in the DSL in his first six to seven games. So, so far, I think both sides are kind of winning this deal. But I think every Royals fan found out that once a role as Chapman was traded, there was not much more to go with. Right, you could trade Scott Barlow, but again, what's the return going to be now? He's having a bottom year by his standards. He's not as good as he was two years ago or three years ago for that matter. Strikeout numbers are still there, but I don't think the velocity there anymore. There's a lot of question marks as to what Scott Barlow can be for a contending team. I still think a reliable guy for the sixth and seventh inning, but you're not talking about a back-end guy or a closer for any contending team. Then this caught my interest with Carlos Hernandez. I love Carlos Hernandez. I think he's been Brian Sweeney's Best success story so far in Kansas City. Same with Zach The Same with Mitch Stetter as well. Paul Hoover, whole crew there. Working with Carlos Hernandez, he popped to me in the WBC pitching for Venezuela. He's striking out Mike Trout at 101. I'm going, who is this guy? Right, This certainly isn't the guy last year that couldn't strike out anybody, and his velocity dipped. He couldn't start, couldn't come out of the bullpen, lost his command again, took a big step back after a pretty good 2021. So they work with that. He's got the good stuff. Strikeout numbers are way up. Walk numbers are way down. Whip is way down. He's been fantastic over his last eight to nine outings. He gave up a run against Tampa in the doubleheader on Saturday night. But other than that, he's been flawless. Last night, he has a leadoff walk. No problem for the next three batters. Strikeout, strikeout, lazy pop-up in the infield. And to me, I go, I would love to see Carlos Hernandez close out games for the Royals in the second half. And then this article comes out and I think to myself, well, what good is that, right? What good is Carlos Hernandez locking down his first save and the Royals getting win number 30 when you're 30 and 72? What good is that? What good is that other than just you feel good about a win? You crack open a beer and you say that was a pretty good game. That was a good game. The Royals win something positive to talk about, right? Right. But the reality is bad teams don't need good setup, guys, and they don't need good closers. Because when you're not very good, why does it matter if you blow or win a game in the ninth? Win number 30 to 31 doesn't mean much. If the Royals win tonight, I'll feel good about it. But in terms of the long-term outlook here, all I'm worried about is how the young players play. And yes, Carlos Hernandez pitching well fits into the future. But here's another thing. The Royals could just trade Scott Barlow at the deadline. Okay, they could just give Scott Barlow to a National League team, and you could get probably the same return that Aroldis Chapman got, maybe a little bit less because Scott Barlow wasn't as good as Aroldis Chapman this year. But Scott Barlow, I think, has a couple more years of control, if I'm not mistaken. So you could get a similar return. And a team could give you no top 30s, a lottery ticket, Guy in the DSL, you get a 25-year-old like a Cole Reagans. Now, I love that deal now when seeing Cole Reagans throw. But I think when you're looking at how you can overhaul this farm system, trades like that aren't going to do it. You're hoping it's more so player development at that point than really hitting on guys that you know are going to be big leaguers or going to be big-time players at the major league level. Then Carlos Hernandez popped into my mind. And I looked up some of his contract numbers. He's 26 years old. He's having a career year. Velocity's way up. Strikeout number's way up. He's got good command right now. He's working really well with that slider, that curve, and even that circle change. All of it is coming together for Carlos Hernandez. He could be a sixth or seventh inning guy for somebody out there. And here's the intriguing part. He's 26, and he's not a free agent until 2028. He's not arbitration eligible until 2025. That is enticing to a contending team. Because they're going to give up more prospects and say, well, if we don't make it to the World Series this year, if we don't make the playoffs, if we don't make it deep in the playoffs, we still have Carlos Hernandez for another couple couple years. He's got good stuff. We want to work with that. Therefore, we're more willing to part with maybe a top 20 prospect, a starting pitcher who's 23, 24 on the cusp of the big league level, but we don't have a spot for him. That's what you jump on. I think you could package a Barlow and and Hernandez together and get a pretty nice return. Maybe you throw in an extra sweetener as a prospect like a a Nick Lofton. Maybe you throw a Tyler Gentry in there. No, there are possibilities. You throw in an arm, another pitcher like a Jonathan Bowlin. I know that wouldn't return much. You know, I would say Anthony Veneziana, but I'm going to talk about him later on the podcast. So I'll pump the brakes on that but that's the type of deal I think that would separate a JJ Piccolo from a Dayton Moore, right? You're forward thinking. Can we say with confidence that Carlos Hernandez is going to get better from this point on, is this the best that Carlos Hernandez can be, or is he going to turn into a setup of the year, setup guy of the year, closer of the year. Now pick a title for him to me. I mean, it's possible, but it's stuff you gamble on because relievers have such a short lifespan in Major League Baseball. Take Wade Davis, for example. Wade Davis was the best reliever in baseball in 2015. Two to three years later, he's barely hanging on with the Rockies. right? He's the guy that all Rockies fans just never wanted to see in the game. Think how quickly Greg Holland fell off. How quickly Kelvin Herrera fell off. Guys that you could always count on to go one, two, three. It was that easy. Roldis Chapman even fell off. I mean, some guys, Hall of Famers, they're the best at their position pitching-wise. You know, they are difference makers, right? Roldis Chapman's, Mariana Rivera's, Trevor Hoffman's, but those guys can pitch a long, long time. But most relievers, it's like a span of two to three years, they're really good. So if you're the Royals, you say, okay, well, let's say Carlos Hernandez gets better. Does a really good Carlos Hernandez impact the Royals in 2024 or 25 for that matter? I'm going to say no. Even him being lights out, I don't think it does. If he's Scott Barlow level in 2019 and 2021, they still wouldn't be very good. Because guess what? The Royals weren't good in those years. They lost 100 plus games with Scott Barlow being one of the top relievers in baseball. That's why relievers have great trade value. And you jump all over this. If somebody offers you a couple prospects for Carlos Fernandez, you don't even think about it. He's got club control that's enticing to teams, and you can get guys that can bolster your farm system. You can't just make the trades that everybody expects you to. Aroldis Chapman, Scott Barlow. No, you really want to have forward thinking? This is the type of move you make. It is a no-brainer for J.J. Piccolo to make this move. Package Barlow, trade him independently. I really don't care as long as that return could be pretty good. And then if you trade Scott Barley, you get a similar return for Roldis Chapman. You have another Cole Reagans type guy and another lottery ticket in the system, I'll take it. Then you trade Carlos Hernandez, you get a better return than both of those. Now I'm feeling a lot better about this trade deadline than I have in past years. This is a great opportunity when you have a guy that's succeeding in your bullpen. And you're already going to tear down the bullpen for next year. It's not a single guy I would keep. I, I would be totally fine. I'm hoping the best for some of these guys out there. In fact, I'm hoping the best for all these guys. I'm not going to say I don't want them to be in baseball anymore. But if I'm Kansas City, I don't think a single one of these guys in the bullpen right now should be on the team next year. Whether that be trade, release, DFA, down in the minors, that's the way you have to go about this. And if you can bolster your system, you need to trade guys that you know are not going to be around When they're contending again, and that seems like a obvious statement here, but Carlos Hernandez is young. Trading a young guy is always tough to do, but when he's a reliever, that's when you jump on it. Relievers have short lifespans. Act on it. You have to get them at peak value. Don't wait too long. If you did with Scott Barlow, our last segment we're going to go over real quickly. So the prospect down in Omaha, Anthony Veneziano. Is he almost ready for Kansas City? We'll talk about that next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuned into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. That's at J O H N Y J underscore 15. And check us out on all the podcasting platforms. That can be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and we're on YouTube. We've had a ton of subscribers of late. Just be sure to hit that subscribe button or that follow button with the podcast. And let us know any questions you have. Shoot us content ideas. You can direct message me on Twitter. Tons of ways to reach me. I love doing this podcast. I love interacting with followers and fans. It's really what I love doing every single day. And I still love watching this team. Still love talking about this team. Even if not many people out there want to hear about this team. What I was very intrigued with about Omaha today was that Anthony Veneziano was on the bump. Now, Anthony Veneziano, a former 10th rounder out of Coastal Carolina in 2019. One of those projects, I would say, and we all got lost in the the infatuation with Brady Singer, with Jackson Kowar, Chris Bubic, Daniel Lynch, Jonathan Bowen, John Heasley, and and, the ASA Lacey years. You kind of forget about the guys that were 9th, 10th, 11th round picks. Anthony Veneziano, to me, is going to get up to Kansas City at some point. And he's one of the few guys, even with some of that have already broken into Kansas City this year, Austin Cox, Alec Marsh, Colt Reagans, he's been the guy, at least in Omaha, that has put up good numbers, at least basic numbers. And he's been really good over his last six starts. His ERA is under two, still not striking out a ton of guys. Preston Farr, you can follow him on Twitter, at Royals Minors, has an amazing job covering all things Royals in the minor leagues. And I asked him, is he close? I mean, he's been great in June. He got roughed up in his first start in July before the break. But his ERA was like 1.25 in June. He was 3-0 through about 21 and two-thirds innings. 17 strikeouts, 11 walks. That's not great. But Preston even said that with a big lefty, they can figure it out and they can turn into something really special. And I think with how depleted the bullpen is, there could be a spot for a big lefty. And I also wouldn't mind seeing him make a couple starts. And today he was good once again for the Storm Chasers. Five innings, gave up only a couple of hits, pair of hits, two walks, and struck out seven. No runs. His ERA is now down to 3.47. Austin Cox had a bad ERA in Omaha, so did Alec Marsh. Alec Marsh think it was, I guess, sustainable. He was okay. He was kind of at the middle of the pack. But Anthony Veneziano of late has pitched really well. And maybe the royals are going to wait on him a little bit, but this is another young guy you could add into your, you know, future outlook here for 2024. It's time for the next crop, the next core of young guys to come up to Kansas City. You know, instead of always just saying, well, we failed with the 2018 guys, you know, Brady Singer's no longer good, Daniel Lynch is no longer good, Chris Bubic isn't very good. You no, know, instead of doing that, you can also get some of the the younger guys that are coming up that didn't have big expectations. Anthony Veneziano popped up on the radar like late last year. A 10th rounder, big lefty, not big strikeout stuff. But I do like some of his offerings. I love the changeup. Now, fastball's not high velocity. At least I didn't see much of it today. Maybe you give him a couple more starts, then you go from there. Because the Royals still have a pretty jam-packed rotation who they need to get innings to. Now, with Zach Greinke coming back, you have Lyles Yarbrough Greinke Lynch, Singer, and then Alec Marsh. You have a six-man rotation right now. And Cole Reagans needs to make some starts. You know, I would say Austin Cox maybe deserves to get a couple more starts. There's a lot of arms there. But bullpen-wise, maybe there's a spot. I mean, Austin Cox made his debut in the bullpen and rocked it. He was great. Alec Marsh jumped straight into the rotation. He's been great. Cole Reagans went straight to the rotation. Maybe Veneziano uh, can move to that bullpen role because he's a big lefty. You can work with that a little bit, and then if a spot opens up, he can be a spot starter. But it opened my eyes a little bit. I did not know that Anthony Veneziano was pitching that well of late in Omaha. kind of slipped under my radar a little bit, which is kind of shocking because I always am looking to Preston for minor league content. He just is always on top of it, and he was with Anthony Veneziano. I just missed it. And good for Anthony Veneziano. Good for the Royals pitching development system because if they can get out another late-round pick that can have some success at the big league level – It puts more trust in that scouting department and in that pitching development system. That'll do it for another episode of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. We're going to talk a little bit about Daniel Lynch's start that happens tonight in tomorrow's episode, and we'll probably go over some more guys that are struggling. You know, who are guys in the lineup that maybe need a really hot second half? to even be in consideration for the lineup next year. That is all going to happen in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Rose on the Locked On Podcast Network. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.